0: Force and say, Thank you for a bright day, thank you for reaching down and touching me. I want to have the eyes and see everything you've done for me. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. Hey, hello, and welcome. It is Sunday, August 9th, 2020, and welcome to you to the River NYC Online. My name is John Firsty. I'm
1: Sarah Firstie.
0: And uh, we're so happy that you have chosen to join us today. We truly appreciate you taking the time to watch these videos. In addition to this video, you'll see other ones on the playlist from our worship team, uh, and also videos just for kids and for youth. And there's even a sing-along for kids and for all of us, really. And hope you enjoy them all. Hey, I just want to mention at the very top here a special thanks to Elmy Fairchild. She is the volunteer at the river who has taken this raw iPhone footage and turned it into, uh, you know, the polished video that you see here. Thank you, Elmy. And while I'm at it, another special thanks to our worship team, Shannon, Rashida, Wyatt, and the rest of the gang. You guys are consistently amazed, and I just want to say thank you so much appreciation to all of you. You know, back on March 15th, that was the day we did our first YouTube service, and I don't think any of us... <laughs> Thought we would be doing for this long you know today we counted it up today marks service number 22. that's crazy wow so thank you for everyone for hanging in with us during this crazy and pretty unpredictable time
1: and speaking of unpredictable this is john and my last moment here this is our final sermon as pastors of the river And that's another, at least for us, wow. Wow. If you don't know what we're talking about and you missed our big announcement last week, please do go back and watch last week's video. Catch up. Last week, we did explain that because of an unexpected development with a family member, we need to be in close proximity to them here in California during this next season of their life. And as a result, today we're resigning our roles as pastors of the river. We intend to stay connected, Mm -hmm. but it'll be from a distance for the foreseeable future. So we're at one of those crossroad moments. Yeah. Times like this, you tend to look back over your life, and we've been doing that a lot lately. And John and I have realized that while we've been at the river for the last 12 years, we've spent pretty much our whole married life yeah. working to build church communities for 34 years. It's a long time. And this begs the question, why would we do this? <laughs> why has church ministry been so important to us? What have we learned? What would we like to pass on in our farewell sermon? sermon. This is what we've been thinking about, and we'd like to answer those questions by telling three stories.
0: All right, story number one. I asked Sarah to marry me on Easter Sunday, 1986. We were both 21 years old. And I picked her up early in the morning. I told her we were going to a sunrise service, um, but that was actually just a trick.
1: You started Uh, it all with a lie.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. And so instead I took her to this beautiful spot there in Colorado where we lived, and I got down on one knee and I popped the question and spoiler alert, she said yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we did go to church and we told our friends and our family there about the new engagement And as it turns out, that was also the very day that we were installed as volunteer leaders of the fledgling youth group that was just getting off the ground at this new startup church. And now, flash forward a few months when a bickering young couple is on its way to a Friday night youth group. And I remember so much looking for ways to get out of this. Because we were very young and we were just figuring out how to be married, um, which is a euphemism. In other words, we were fighting like cats and dogs. And somehow we were supposed to set aside our own stuff and then go hang out with some teenagers.
1: You know, I remember praying on the way there that no one would come <laughs> so that we could just cancel the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Um, but, well, they, they showed up and... We you know what? And we did do, and that's really what we learned. We learned how to show up, even when we didn't really want to. And you know what? It's made our life better to have something outside of ourselves. And then we bring up those earliest days because we learned about how that put us in motion. And you know, and one thing, for, for in our sakes, it put us in connection with older, more mature people who could guide us. And not just in youth ministry, but in our marriage and in our life. And that to me is a kind of a beautiful picture of church.
1: And we were there for years and years, raising our kids and just generally growing up, as well as learning how to be pastors as the church grew. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, I think we can say this, that most of the good things in our lives, and there are many, have come either directly or indirectly as a result of our commitment to be a part of a community. Yeah, it's true. Our entire marriage, starting with our engagement 34 years ago, has been rooted in a broader community. Being a part of a church family has made our lives better.
0: Yeah, church really can be a great place to learn how to love. And it's not the only place, um, to be sure, but it is a really good one. And it was in church that we learned that love is not some high and lofty thing. It's actually oftentimes low and grungy. And it's worked out in difficult conversations, in turmoil, and in heartache, uh, right along with the the great life moments too. It's all mixed together. And so looking back, man, over the years, we have made so many mistakes. Um, We'll leave that for another video. But um, I do think we did learn how to do one thing right. We learned how to show up. We showed up. We we never stopped. We just kept showing up. And you know, of course there are always good reasons to skip out. Um, I'm always tempted to wait for the all conditions are perfect. That's kind of how I approach exercise. <laughs> I'm an expert at coming up with, you know, perfectly rational and reasonable excuses for not actually exercising today. Um, but what we've learned over the years is the best stuff happens in community and you got to show up to get it. Yeah.
1: So here's story number two. I'd like to tell you about how I got my dream job. And it utilized my past training in design. And it was a time when I was invited to work for a thriving company in a new city we had just moved to in wisconsin the job had a lot of great perks and a really great paycheck the best i would ever had and especially considering that i had been in church ministry work for the last 15 years so in comparison to that it was amazing hmm. and i remember getting the call John and I were walking to get chicken nachos at our favorite not- new nacho joint. It's pretty good. And I remember uh, grabbing John's arm when they gave me the job offer and told me how much I'd be paid. And it was great. And I just thought that it was a finally this time when all my talents and gifts would come together in one dreamy job.
0: Okay, so now, flash forward about three months. And we're sitting in our new church, not as pastors, mind you. We're just regular old attenders showing up and going. And I get this elbow to the ribs. And here's Sarah um, pointing to an announcement in the program that says, young adult pastor is looking for an administrative assistant. I think you can see, see where this is going. It's kind of like, it's like that. Godfather quote that Charles mentioned last week in his sermon, you know, that famous one, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Um, That was the case here. So Sarah dumps the dream job and returns to church work, which again begs the question, why? Why would you turn that down to return to the nonprofit world for a nonprofit salary? Do explain (laughs) what's going on
1: there. Well, I felt out of sync, something was incongruent. I realized that who I am and what I have to contribute was ultimately going to be at odds with the team I was a part of. I was working with some great people, but we were going in different directions. I remember looking around at those I was running with and realizing what they want out of life and how they want to do things is not really what I want. The problem with the dream job wasn't the work, it was that I was partnered up with people who weren't like-minded. And I just didn't feel in sync there. And it was true that that job allowed me to use my talents and my gifts. And there were other factors like the paycheck but what was missing was the team dynamic. And when you're with the wrong team, it really limits who you can become. At least that's what I experienced. If you're running with cutthroat people and you're trying to grow in compassion, that's difficult. Mm. Or if you're hanging around people who have no forward motion and drive, let's say they are super chill and relaxed and low key, but you really wanna get things done, that's a challenge. Hmm. Or if you're hoping to settle down and plant deep roots in your life, but all of your best friends are fed up with the city and inherently restless, that's hard. So church. Church is great because you can find like-minded people who at least when it comes to spiritual stuff want the same thing you do. You'll find a wide range of diverse people, all different backgrounds, different experiences, different ways of seeing life and faith. Mm -hmm. But we share a desire to grow in our connection with God and with others. So our advice is simple. Team up with like-minded people. Which brings us to our final story. John and Sarah meet charles and
0: Carolyn. so here's the story it's uh, april now of 2008 and after months of phone conversations and emails sarah and i uh, decide finally to come to new york city and see firsthand what was going on with the river and so you know we're carefully exploring the possibility of joining the pastoral team And, of course, we're wondering if the move to Manhattan might be our next step. And so, I remember so well, I remember driving down the West Side Highway with Peter Evis on the way to church on a Sunday morning, and I remember looking at the gigantic construction site of World Trade Center, which really at that time was nothing more than a very complicated hole in the ground. This is back in 2008. Those were the days when the river was meeting in an elegant marble-columned ballroom just off of Wall Street. And I had been in a lot of churches, but I had never seen one that looked like or sounded like this one. It was quite an interesting space. And so we went there and observed the service. And of course, there was a lot of energy and life and enthusiasm, just great connections happening all over the place, um, especially at this huge snack table. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'd never seen so much food in a, in a church service. It was like a a whole spread. It was just delightful. And afterwards, Sarah and I walked with Charles to his home as he's pointing out New York landmarks, you know, there's the bull from wall street and there's the Staten Island ferry. And, and then Charles and Caroline, uh, welcomed us into their home and we met their three little kids. They were little back then. And, you know, it didn't take us long as we got to know each other that in some ways we really didn't have a lot in common. Of course, we're from different backgrounds and different upbringings and different educations, kind of of an unlikely mix in a way. But what we did have in common was we wanted the same thing out of our lives. We all wanted a, a deep sense of connection with God and with others in our lives. And what we found was that they had words for the things that we had been feeling so deeply that we really couldn't put words to. Things that we had intuited, mm-hmm. you know, about faith, about God, about life. Charles and Caroline Park had a way of expressing what it means to follow Jesus in a way that just resonated so deeply with us that we thought, we got to come. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And you know, maybe you're, you're listening today and you're thinking, well, you're wondering, well, what were those things? You know, what did they say that was so compelling that you would uproot your lives and move move to New York City? Well, those are the things we've been talking about in the sermons for the last 12 years. You've heard them all. Our hearts have really been in these messages that we've given and listened to over these years, each week. You know, these sermons are really our way of working things out. We're working out what we really think about God faith, and life, and that's what we've shared in common despite the many differences. So there was camaraderie, and there's compassion, and there was commitment, and connection, and all good stuff.
1: Early on in one office meeting with Charles and Caroline, I remember them asking me, what about you, Sarah? What makes you tick? What energizes you? What will be your contribution at the river? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I don't have much. Uh, I don't have a grand theology statement or just something that they've gotta tell people. I'm not sure that I have a churchy contribution at all. And they asked, well, okay, well, what makes you feel fully alive? And I thought about that and I said, Well, I know that, it's creating spaces where people can gather to enjoy life. I'm thinking dinner parties and celebrations and toasts. And wine. That's right. It's always wine. And in a word, fun. And the park's immediate response to that? Awesome, let's become the church known for eating and drinking.
0: That was kind of our informal slogan for a little while, the church, were eating and drinking.
1: And we knew we would be in very good company. Because Jesus was apparently such fun to be around that his critics accused him of being a drunken and a glutton.
0: A glutton and a drunkard, they said, yeah.
1: that's right. Well, the point is that Charles and Caroline affirmed and gave us permission to be ourselves. What an incredible gift. Mm. If you've enjoyed the things that we have tried to bring to the river community over the last 12 years just know it's because that the parks really encouraged us from the beginning to be ourselves and to contribute who we have what we have what we have and who we are
0: right wholeheartedly yeah and of course that is how community works right everybody brings their own unique thing the whole thing really only works when we each contribute. And I I know you've all heard that message before. Everyone needs to contribute for the church to work. And it's true, but the biggest challenge to contributing to a church family or church community is that no one ever feels qualified. That's the secret. No one ever feels qualified. I know that's how Sarah felt. And I felt the same way as a worship person so, so long. And maybe you're, you're listening now and you're thinking, well, yeah, easy for you guys to say because you're full-fledged pastors. But can I just remind you all of something here? I'm a Spanish teacher by training. She's an interior designer who's taken a few classes at seminary. That's
1: right.
0: We just showed up. <laughs> Uh, we teamed up with like-minded people and we were lucky enough to find partners who helped us be who we really are. And so thank you, Charles and Caroline, for that. And it's great to know that you will be continuing to lead our church.
1: So here we are for the last time speaking as pastors at the River NYC. And it's a bittersweet moment. And I want to say thank you to the rest of the River staff Amelia, Kevin, Allison, it has been a joy to work together. We love you guys. Yeah. And thanks to the River Board who kept a steady hand on things while we have been in this tumultuous time. It's been pretty crazy. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. And thanks to all of you for opening up your lives and your hearts to us. Thank you for giving us the freedom to share our lives with you. And I'll leave you with this. In Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul tells the little church community there, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only the gospel of Jesus, but our own lives too. That really resonates with me today. As we think about these past 12 years, we've had some great moments together, haven't we? And I'd like to personally ask this of you. Keep the mission of the river alive by doing what we've done these last 12 years, showing up, teaming up, and being exactly who you are.
0: Well, I think I would like to end uh, by using the words of the Apostle Peter, uh, and he writes this in his first epistle. The end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. <laughs>
1: okay. I, know, I
0: know, it does say that, but that's not the part I wanna talk about. Here, here it is for real. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Then everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen.